What do you want me to do? The sentence. No more why me, no more complaining, no more nothing. I just said, what is it you want me to do? Because obviously it's something bigger for your glory. And I heard those seven still small words. I want you to do it better. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, we sit down with America's super nanny, Dr. Deborah Tillman. She says you still have an opportunity to parent with purpose. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. This is the community that believes that wealth is so much more than money and material possessions. In fact, we subscribe to the 12th century definition of wealth, which is the condition of well-being. And so as much as we are about our money, we are about making sure that we are well in every area of life because it all impacts our finances in some form or fashion. And I know one thing that's been impacting how we show up, uh, especially at work these days in the midst of a pandemic, is for many of us as parents having to all of a sudden homeschool. So shout out to all the homeschool parents out there who are like, this is my normal life and I love it and I've been doing it. Good for you. For the rest of us, I know that it might be a challenge in more ways than one. And so for the last few weeks, we've been talking about, you know, protecting your mental health during a time like this. I think it's also important to start thinking about how we protect the relationships that matter most. And I'm just going to be real. Like, I love my daughter Reagan to pieces, but I can tell she's tired of me some days and I'm not going to lie. Some days I'm feeling a little tired of her. (laughs) Can I be the honest parent here? Like, we are not used to this much time together. We're just not. Even during the summer, there's an opportunity to go to summer camp or take all of these extracurricular activities. And so we need some help. And I brought in help. (laughs) I brought in someone who could support us all. So I know for many of us, um, they're going to be winding down school a bit earlier than they normally do. So hopefully that gives a little relief from trying to force a schedule and a routine right now. Um, But based on where you live, if you're still being advised to shelter in place, that means there's still not any opportunities to go anywhere, really. And so how do we navigate that whole process? Well, I brought in the big guns. Let me tell you more about our guest. Dr. Deborah Tillman is a parent educator, speaker, author, and founder of Happy Home Christian Learning Academy for Early Learners. You may have also seen her as America's Super Nanny on Lifetime Television. She holds a master's degree in early childhood special education from George Washington University and a doctorate in education from the Richmond, Virginia Seminary. She's also studied at Oxford University, Magdalen College in England. And among her many accomplishments, she's been a recurring parenting expert on the Steve Harvey Show. I think you remember me from there too, huh? She's also been seen on The View, Today Show, Katie Show, Home and Family Network, Wendy Williams, and CNN, just to name a few. Without further ado, here's my conversation with America's super nanny, Dr. Deborah Tillman.
Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Deborah. Happy to be here, Patrice. I must say, you look glorious, honey. You are shining. You are the best dressed quarantine woman I have ever seen. I wish you guys could see Dr. Deb. Stop it. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's just, look, I'm trying to fill my cup. That's it. I and know. Got to do during this time. Yes, I love it. I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, we were just saying before we started recording, we were scheduled to have this conversation over a month ago. Right. And then it just didn't hap- happen for one reason or another. But once we got into this quarantine and children staying at home, and I started hearing these stories, reading the memes, having my own experience with my child getting acclimated to quote unquote homeschooling, right. digital learning. I was like, oh, I'm so glad we didn't talk already because this is the conversation yeah. we really needed to have. Yeah. So always thank in you. timing, right? You always, <laughs> always in this timing. So one of the things that I have said on the podcast mm-hmm. over and over again is that I don't have a desire to be a public success and a private failure. Mm, that's good. I've, I've never had a desire to be that, although I can look back at times in my career and admit that I was that, mm-hmm. where there would be, on one hand, there would be young women coming up to me saying, oh, Mrs. Washington, you inspire me. You know, thank you. All like all the things. Right. And when my daughter was younger, um, it's been years now, but when she was younger I got to the point where I recognized that I was present, meaning I worked from home. So I felt like I was always there, but I wasn't present. Mm -hmm. I wasn't always listening. I wasn't always nurturing. I wasn't always just paying attention. I wasn't present. And when I finally got it, mostly because she made me get it. (laughs) But when when I, oh yes, she did. When I finally got it, I can say in all honesty, there was a a guilt that fell off. Like there was a weight, a burden that I had carried, which was a a bit of mommy guilt Mm -hmm. because I knew, even though I didn't knew it, I didn't know it, excuse me, consciously, I knew it subconsciously that I wasn't as present. So when I would leave and do a tour or go on the road or go tape a show or do any of these things, that mommy guilt followed. But now I can honestly say that my daughter and I spend so much time together (laughs) and we're so present and have the best conversations that when I do leave, I don't have that guilt anymore. And I really believe we have a people pillar here, you know, and creating relationships that matter, I believe, do impact your finances. Mm -hmm. I couldn't show up as my best self, even though it was good to the world. I couldn't show up as my greatest and highest self when I wasn't serving at home the way that I actually needed to. Got it. And so, you know, I I really wanted to just preface the conversation by saying that's why I even have a people pillar. That's why this conversation is so important Um, because, you know, I heard you say that when you took on the role of uh, America's super nanny, you thought you were going to help the kids, but (laughs) you ended up (laughs) really... A rude awakening, right? Really getting into it with the parents. So can you talk about, and I've also heard you say that being a parent is about being a servant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So can you kind of just, because we're going to get into some, what what we can be doing at home, but can you set the tone with that whole being a parent is really being a servant? Yeah. 
So what I believe is that true leadership really does start in the four walls of our homes. Um, And the quicker we get that message, the better off we are. And that parenting is a blessing. You know, I know we go through the terrific twos and all of the drama of the teenage years because my son's 27 now. But the bottom line is, yeah, 27. So the bottom line, though, is that parenting is a calling, Patrice. It is a calling and not everybody gets the opportunity to raise and guide and lead our children. And so when we look at it from the preface of, okay, I've been given this opportunity, this great gift to uh, steward really over this child, then I myself as the parent need need to be the best and highest version of myself because If I come with a whole bunch of weights, like, you know, fear, doubt, guilt, shame, um, even the past ways that I was raised, you know, I was, I'm a baby boomer. So I was raised with children are seen and not heard. Oh yeah. Um, You know, go get the switch. Like got my butt beat all the time for nothing, you know, just, and and I will say for nothing because I had two sisters and I was the middle child. And literally my mother used to say, if I don't care if I didn't see who did it, all of y'all would get it. And I was like, okay, some stuff we need to throw out with the bathwater for real and then raise our children when we know better, we do better, right? So there are a whole lot of things that I preach now and say to parents, we can do a whole lot better. We can communicate with our children. We can bond with them. We can connect with them. We can allow them to express their feelings. Because they are not allowed to express their feelings. What does, we grow up being scared. Of yeah. raising our hand like people don't know they always tell me you know you know I got beat and you know I turned out okay but I'm like did you did really? you did, did you? you really let's look at some of these deep wounds okay and you can't put band-aids on deep wounds yeah. and so yes it is a calling and it's a calling to serve to serve ourselves just in terms of keeping our cup full, but then also serving our family, not just our children, but our family. You know, I think his name is Galil um, Gabron, Galil Gabron, K-H-A-L-I-L Gabron. He always talks about children um, are given to us. They come through us, but they're not, they're not for us. They're given, you know, to the world, Um, but, but by God. And so when we realize that, yes, they are children, but they don't belong to us, we can't treat them like, you know, we're the master over their lives. We have to allow them to be who they were created to be. When we're able to step back and stop trying to make mini me's, mini, mini, Dr. Depp, I was better off. I was just going to say that the, you know what, the moment that I embraced and accepted that my daughter was not born to be a mini me first of all she is half somebody else's dna right and so as we've gone through the year she's 12 now you know every step of the way god gives me that reminder like she is her own person so when she started to say i don't like that and you know but for me i'm like but but we do like she like no you like I don't like such, such and such or, you know, even my love for reading. She's going through this stage where she's like, I read for school and school only. Like that is her attitude because I used to like push books on her because uh-huh. I'm a bookworm. OK, so I'm like, oh, we're going to read. We're going to read. We're going to read. And she got to a point one day where she was like, a lot of people will send me books 
And sure. if, even if they're unsolicited, if I think it's a good one for her, I'm like, oh, read this book. So if I ask, like, how was it? She's like, mom, I don't want to read every book that people mail. And I'm like, you know what? She's duly noted. And I love that. Because I do give her the flexibility of being her own person. Like, you know, I've always told her, you have the right to be mad. If you had a bad day, you had a bad day. People have bad days. I remember being younger and folks saying, bad day for what? You don't pay bills? Well, there's other reasons as a third grader that I could have a bad day (laughs) that are not connected to paying bills. Exactly. Yeah, but that when when you're preaching from when you're a parent, and we preach, I call it the Moses mentality, right? Where we're just like, you know, what I, you know, I'm gonna hold out the rod. I'm gonna tell you what to do. Um, and he did it for the right reason. But we kind of take on that personality of whatever we say goes and, you know, our, our saying, whatever comes out of our mouth is the law. And really it's not, really it's not. I've learned more from my son in raising him than I have from me thinking that I was a good parent. You know, and it's really not about that. It really is about me, again, being the best and highest version of myself and allowing him to be himself. So I know you have all the education and all the background, but this whole journey started because of your son. Yeah. Right? Patrice, oh my God. So I was an accountant. Go figure. (laughs) So I was an accountant and um, came to DC because my sister was here. Went to GW, but my past major was accounting and business administration. And so I get here, get married and have a son. And we have seven child care providers in three months. So I I went through, I, I heard you talk about your school, but I went through three daycare centers and four in home providers. So, I mean, literally, I drop him off one day, he's in a car seat. I come back four hours later because she didn't know it wasn't my first day. I just dropped him off to see how she would do. Came back four hours later. He was still in the car seat with his coat on, sweating profusely. Absolutely ridiculous. Given the wrong mom's breast milk was the Mm -hmm. second time. And you know how we got to pump, okay? It takes a long time to pump to get that milk. So I was done. And the thing I used to do is every single time something happened, I didn't wait for number two, the second or third. I just used to pull them out. So then I went through like three and four and then I got to number five and he had bruises on his back. I did not recognize the bruises until I got him at home, put him in the bath and lifted up, you know, took off his clothes and saw these bruises on his back. And I'm like, no, the devil is a liar. So called up CPS and, you know, went through that whole process. But by this time, I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm crying every day, going to my accountant job. It was just ridiculous. And they would, they even felt bad for me. They were like, oh, you must have the worst. Like, why is this happening to you? And I was like, and that was the wrong question I was asking myself. Why me, God? Why is this happening to me? Patrice, God did not hear me. He was, I don't, I just felt like I was alone because he was not answering that prayer until the seventh. So I walk in the back room, the ladies in the hallway, and I'm like, by this time I'm frantic. My heart is beating. I'm like, where's my baby? Where's my baby? She's following behind me. She's not saying a word. And I'm like, where's my baby? I'm opening up the doors. My, I'm sweating. And finally, I go to this back room, open this door, and he's in the corner in a bassinet on his back. He's lying on his back. The wall is prop, propping up a bottle that he has in his mouth. 
and he's sucking air. Nothing's in the bottle. It's empty. I don't know. I don't know if I if I just had to have the number seven for completion. I don't know what it was about me. But at that moment, something inside of me just like just bursted out. I took him. I left the bassinet. Everything was left there. I took him. I lied him down when I got him to the apartment and I fell to my knees. And I don't know if you've ever had these experiences where you really surrender. Like there's one thing that we could give lip service. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But when we really surrender, Mm -hmm. it was like, Lord, I cried out and I was like, I can't do this. I'm not. I don't know what to do. I need your help. Tell me, what do you want me to do? That was the word. What do you want me to do? The sentence. No more why me, no more complaining, no more nothing. I just said, what is it you want me to do? Because obviously it's something bigger than, you know, for your glory. And I heard those seven still small words. I want you to do it better. And I quit my job the very next day. Quit my job. Only job didn't get two weeks notice. I quit the very next day. And then I started in my home because once God told me what to do, I was on a mission. So I started in my apartment. We were in an apartment and I said, okay, I'm going to have a center. So back then, 20 years ago, 26 years ago, we actually didn't have to go through a lot to have a school or even have watched children in your home. And then I wondered, okay, that's why these crazy people had my son. (laughs) Um, So I, so I brought my mother-in-law up to watch my baby while I went to this one week child providing course where they would, you, you took a course for a week. They came into your apartment and then they looked to make sure it was safe. And then once they did that, they gave you the license to watch four children in your home. And literally that's what I did. I had my son and his best friend, Jordan Chamberlain, who's now a doctor. (laughs) Um, And, but God, because he gave me the vision I wrote the handbook, the parent handbook with no parents. I tell people the story all the time. I wrote the employee handbook, which was like 15 pages, no employees, because he gave me the vision. I was walking yes. with the vision. And yeah, 10 months in of just doing ex, you know, excellent. I didn't let them watch TV. I created my own curriculum. I was on it. And literally 10 months later, I was in this building and a daycare center that had been around for like 20 years, they lost a child. And anytime you lose a child, the overhead helicopters have to come in. Once they do that, your business is wiped out. That's millions of dollars. Apparently, the director was somewhere in Maryland. She didn't, she didn't even watch over her school. But, but the owner of this entire complex calls me up. And I'm like, hi, Mr. Parker. And he's like, hi. He's like, Deborah, Til- Deborah Tillman. And I said, yes. He said, um, a daycare center just went out of business. And I heard that you've been watching children in your house in excellence. Do you want the school? Come on, God. 5,000 square foot school in my hand from God. No money, no nothing. Actually, we did have to pay first month's rent, but that wasn't until we moved in six months later. Because when I walked in there, I saw toys that I had to un... I mean, they were so dirty and filthy And I don't know if God put a spirit of excellence in my heart, but when I walked in, I said, you know what, Mr. Parker, thank you for this opportunity because I know God gave it to me, but I'm not going to put one child in here until I know I can sleep in here. Mm -hmm. And so I bought my family from New Jersey, everybody painted, cleaned it, cleaned it, cleaned the school, got new toys. And we moved in March 4th of 1994. Wow. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, I have chills. You talk about having one of those moments. That was my bathroom floor experience. I tell people all the time, there would be no America's Money Maven without that balling, snot and crying on the floor and saying, God, you got to tell me something. Like, you got to tell me something because yeah. this, this can't be it. That was in the middle of the recession. Wow. So, you know, I, I love when we share those types of stories because I think people are waiting for their purpose to be unpacked with this neat little bow. Like, you know, they're trying to just take the little bow off. I mean, most people that I truly admire, they, they got some kind of raggedy story. I'm just going to keep it real. Okay. Like, no, you have a little a little moment of your life that rolls out like a lifetime movie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like, and you gotta go through those. Mine was tragic. I told people from pain to purpose for sure should have been my book. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so let's get to okay. parenting on purpose right now because we have an unprecedented amount of time with our children. I don't think we ever truly understood. You know, I know we we know that parenting is not easy, right? Right. But the majority of us send our kids somewhere about 10 hours a day, right? We do. Like we see them in the morning. Let's say you have an hour between wake up, hour and a half or so between wake up and actually drop off or the school bus pick up or whatever. Right. You pick them up in the evening or late afternoon. They have homework. They have little things they need to do. You may be finishing some things up. By the time you have dinner, have small talk, you haven't really spent five hours a day with your child. Right. Now, in the wake of COVID-19, mm-hmm. folks seeing kids all day in the midst of still trying to maintain whatever career or aspirational things might right. be going on. How do we make the switch? I don't want to say successfully because everyone is different. Yeah. Right. But how do we make it with grace, with some type of grace? <laughs> You know, I have had so many calls from parents. It really depends on, you know, their specific circumstance. Because some parents have young children. And I thank the Lord that I'm not in that season. And I mean, baby, I say it every day, (laughs) every day, two year old, the four year old. I'm like, Lord, okay. So for those parents that have preschool and elementary children, I say, listen, we got to keep them on a schedule because that is what they know. And really, it's not about us. It's about what they need. They really, yes, they need time with us, but they need a schedule. They need structure. And we've got to keep them on that. If that means not letting them sleep until 12, you know, noon, wake them up at eight, nine o'clock, whatever time you used to wake them up help lay they can help you make breakfast or if they're too young you make breakfast and then get them involved in some sort of activities and so because i run a preschool you know i'm always interested in cognitive development fine motor gross motor so that means what that means do some sort of work like circle time in the morning like it takes 10 minutes really sing a song what's the weather let's count you know something like that okay fine then you can have a project they can do the project on their own. It could be something like as simple as coloring, you know, okay, we're going to color Easter eggs, you know, and then that way you have time a little bit while they're coloring 
to do that. Or it depends on what your child is as well. Right brain, left brain, right? So if they're right brain, then they like the artistic, you know, and all that kind of stuff, creative stuff. But then if they're left brain, you might want to do the more academic, logical sequencing type stuff. So know your child. That's the first thing, right? But that's the thing. I think some people are going to get to know their child. Yes, they will. Because maybe the teacher, you know, knew that better than you do at this point. And that is so true. And that is why this time people always say, you know, why do you call it a blessing, uh, Deborah? And I say, no, not the COVID-19. It's not a blessing, but it is a blessing. It's a blessing because God knows what's best for us. And there is a plan and purpose for each of our lives. And I'm sorry, but we were just too busy running around. We were just too busy not being able to communicate with that 14-year-old that would come home, put the headphones on, close their door, and you would be like, okay, go, because I don't want to be bothered anyway with your attitude. Now you have to spend time with that 14-year-old because we don't want to get the calls. And this is what I always get, the 911 calls when somebody's cutting themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, or when the child is depressed or insecure. We don't want that, right? And so the universe, the Lord, whatever you want to call it, your faith, God has made it where we all have to spend time now at home with our children. And I'm telling you, if we say that the children are the future, then we better daggone be sure to do the work now so that they so that they have a future. And so for some of these parents, yes, you are going to get to know your children. You are going to get to know them in a way that you have never known them. And you've got to be up for the job. So my acronym for parents, and it, I don't know if your listeners will write this down, but I always say it's P-A-R-E-N-T, right? Parents, prepare yourself to affirm your child and yourself to raise them because we cannot always expect the school and the church and other people to raise our children, educate them, to nurture them, to train them up like the Bible says and to support them. If we can do those things, just remember that acronym. If we can do those things, then our children will have a better chance at reaching their fullest potential. And I think now is the most opportune time to be able to do that with our children, to own our part, to encourage them, to connect with them, to respond to them instead of reacting to them and to support them. I heard you say that. I think in an interview clip, you talked about we need to respond, not react. What's the difference? The difference is, um, I always like to give examples. So the difference is you're driving on I-90, well, here is I-95, so it's just a highway. And somebody cuts across in front of you and you're driving, your child's in the back seat. And you're like, why are you doing this? What is going on? And you just just like literally go to 10. You just, uh, you know, from zero to 10. You're you're reacting to something that has happened. What I tell parents to do is, you know, yourself, you know, when that child keeps, you know, at you, because I'm sorry, our children do know how to prick us at times. And and it's important for us to create the calm in our minds, body and spirit so that when we feel ourselves getting to the red that we say, okay, I'm about to get there. Okay, he's, you know, on my nerves right now. And then you take that moment to, I don't care what you have to do, 1 100, 2 100, 3 100, and think good thoughts. So I always say, speak those things that are not as though they were until they are. So when my son used to drive me up a wall, and I used to be like, oh, I just want to just 
shake them. I used to just say, okay, there is greatness in you there. I, I would be mad, but I would mm-hmm. literally say there is greatness in you in my, in my mind, because it would get me to a different state, Patrice. Mm-hmm. Everything starts in our mind. If we think that, you know, this child, when I come home from work, he's sitting in front of the TV. If my perception is that he's lazy, then what's going to come out of my mouth is going to be, mm-hmm. you're lazy. Get up. Why are you doing this? Why? Okay. Now all of that, that you're going to have to eventually go back and apologize for and ask for forgiveness. When if well, your mind said something different, you know, out of the heart, your yeah. mouth. So we have to do better at calming ourselves and thinking before we actually speak to our children. And yes, somebody wrote a book, Taming Your Tongue. Let's tame our tongues because I don't want another generation of how I was raised with, you know, they just said anything, go get the switch and this, that, and the other. We don't have to raise our children like that. Right. And I love that you pointed out apologizing. I think, I think you said something that was probably foreign to a lot of us who didn't grow up being apologized to you suck it up and you move on and it just is what it is. Uh, but I, I definitely, I've apologized to Reagan many times over the years, yes. many times. And my husband says that the grace that she shows even for friends comes yeah. from the way I interact with her because she's in middle school now. And you know, that's, that's, that's that tender. Mm -hmm. You start meeting mean girls Mm -hmm. and people who have a problem with you for no apparent reason. Right. And Reagan waking up. Yeah. Reagan is like, um, so I don't have a problem with you, but clearly something's going on with you. So I'm going to, you know, let you be right. And when you are ready to be cool, like she has no, there's no, there's not a nastiness about it. There's not a back and forth. She's, she's very for that age. And I tell you at 12, I had none of, right. None of it, (laughs) like none of it. I didn't have the confidence or the ability cognitively to just think through things the way that she does, but she's very um, much able to apologize if she's wrong but also give people grace and be like, you know what? Clearly something's going on. She tells me outside, I think something's going on at home. I love <laughs> I'm like, oh I my love gosh, she's, she's, this girl is 47, okay? Oh she's like, so I'm not even going to, you know, I feel bad. Like, I might pray for her or something. I'm not, you know, she's real like, whatever. I'm not going to let it bother me. That's a testament of you and your husband though. That is a, an example. You led by example. And that's what I go in. You know, they're in there talking about it. when I did America Super Nanny, fix my kids, fix my kids. I was like, OK, first, your kids are not broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I got in there, I saw how, you know, the wives emasculated their husbands and then the children were sitting there looking. And then I said, OK, now, wonder they don't respect daddy because you don't respect daddy. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't learn to lead by example, wow, our children are like us. They will be what they see. So the reason why Reagan can respond like that is because she's seen that modeled to her. You know, she's even brought up with a friend before. She's really annoyed when people don't use manners. Reagan, she's been this way since she was little, like six, seven years old. She was very aware. So she has a thing about people not saying thank you. Right. Or just not being cordial. And she went to a sleepover at a friend's house Mm -hmm. and she was like, I see why 
they're like that. She was like, nobody in their house says thank you. And they don't say good morning. And that threw her because the dad just walked by, mom walked by, and there was no like, good morning. Hey, thank you. And, you know, for her again to be that young and be able to pick up on, oh, you behave this way because your parents behave this way. This makes complete sense. Then we have parents who, I guess the term would be like judge or get upset with their children. And you have to go, but where, where are they getting that from? Yeah. Right. Us. We are the examples. And so, you know, I always tell parents, you can't expect people on the outside to be a better role model than you are to your own family. And that's everybody. That's that, you know, I say part of my um, process is that you have to treat everybody with respect. Mm -hmm. So it's not just husband, wife, partners, sister, brother, child. It's also the grocery store clerk that is working now, putting their lives at risk and you're hollering at them Cause they didn't bag you. They didn't use the bag you bought to the mm-hmm. store. And I literally, I don't know. My, my husband used to pull me away and be like, calm down because I would, I would intervene. Like I act like super nanny, even in the store. I'm like, excuse, <laughs> me, excuse me. She doesn't have to be here. You need to have some manners. And, and we need to teach children and, and everybody really um, that it's just two small words, please. And thank you. Mm-hmm. They're easy words. But if we've never been taught those words and we weren't modeled those words, Patrice, it's very difficult for people to 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 exempt, you know, to to put it out in the universe. They're not yeah. going to do it because they're not used to seeing it or doing it. So I have another question for you. So you talked about some of the stuff that we could do if we are fortunate enough to have small toddlers at home and small children what are your thoughts around the preteen or teenage years when they may really be in that mood that is like um I don't want to be bothered especially for those who are going through the grief of being you know dramatically traumatically removed from their friend groups and no hanging out and none of the social things some of these kids are not walking the stage for graduation. They will not have a senior prom. Like, how do we support our older children in a time like this? Right. I think the biggest thing for me is that when I talk to parents that have teenagers, I say, really, first of all, don't judge. Because oftentimes the parents I get the phone calls from are, I don't know what she's upset for. It's just a graduation. And I'm like, hello, wait, Calm down. It's not, she doesn't have bills. She doesn't have the mortgage. Calm down. You're looking at it from your lens. You have to look at it from the lens of the child. And so I don't care if they're 14, 15, 16. I, t- I have a store program where I deal with uh, my mentees. And so I'm reaching out to them saying, you know, what's going on with you all? I just want to check in to find out, you know, what you're feeling. And a lot of them, yes, that were supposed to graduate are upset about the fact that they aren't going to go through their senior prom, aren't going to have graduation were snatched from their friends without even being able to say goodbye, hello, that's a big deal. And so for them, it's hard. So what I say is communication is number one and connection is pretty close to that, right? So yes, a lot of times you get the attitude because it's not only this, they're also going through puberty. A lot of other things are happening in their lives, right? And so we have to seek to understand them, right? So 
what we used to do is we created a platform where we called it the sensitivity technique. And every single night, sit at the table, because I do believe in eating dinner to d- together. I don't care. We like, do I know people that are just so busy. Like, you know, I used to say um, when President Barack Obama was in office, I used to say, everybody thinks they're President Barack Obama because everybody don't have no time for nothing. Right. <laughs> That's not true. Now we have time. Right. So sit at the dinner table with your kids, because mm-hmm. at the dinner table, you find out about things the that tea. you were just to ask. They're not going to tell you. So it's just like open, open talk. But sensitivity works where everybody talks. Tell me about your day. What bothered you? But really, we're looking for, you know, the lemon. What bothered you? Tell me, even if it's about mommy and daddy, even if it's when I walked by you and I wasn't paying attention and I didn't say hi, whatever it was, tell me what hurt your heart. And so, and then we can't, as parents, judge. Like, we can't say, well, I didn't do that. I didn't like that. Like, we can't go back at them. We have to give them the safe space and the freedom to be able to communicate with us. If we, if we were to just practice that one step where they're free to say anything they want, like, I feel bad that I'm not able to see my best friend. Okay, how about we FaceTime? How about we do some, you know, you can take a half an hour a day and how about you talk to your best friend? allow them to get it out and let them know that they're in a space where you're not going to judge them. And then we would get more from them. I say that this is the time to fight for their hearts. We have to fight for our children. Mm, That's really good. That's really good. I shared with you earlier that my daughter is in therapy and um, not for anything like super traumatic, I guess, but you know, just the move across country and then changing schools in the middle of the school year and then finally feeling like she was in a groove and being ripped from the new friend group. And we live in the same neighborhood with some school friends, but of course the kids can't, they can't congregate, right? So, you know, her her best is riding her bike when my husband and I go take our four mile walk. That's what she's like out, you know, maybe she'll tell a friend like, come on the porch and, you know, they'll just wave at each other. Um, But this is a lot. It is. This is heavy. And I love that you said, look at it from their lens. Mm -hmm. No, they don't have bills, but they didn't have bills before this started. So that is not a very fair comparison. What they had was a way of escape each day via going to school, via trading videos on doing TikToks on the school bus and, you know, doing whatever those things are. Even My daughter even says she misses her teachers. There's some teachers that hug the kids every day. Yeah. Gave them some love every day that she just misses the interaction, you know, um, that you cannot get through virtual learning in the same way. Although she is now saying, now y'all pray for me as a, as a purpose chaser community. She said, mom, I think I should just homeschool from now on. I said, well, Hey, hold on. Let's see what they say. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. <laughs> moving a little too aggressively this time. Is, oh, this time is good. <laughs> and I enjoy. We have lunch together every afternoon. Oh, I love on, it. On our porch, and I love it. I, I, I must say, I am. Even though I felt like we were already close, I am learning more and more about her, yes. and I find myself respecting her more and more as a person. Yes. And she's because my daughter knows so many useless facts, not useless, 
let me say that again. My daughter knows a lot of random facts. Okay. She knows things about just anything because she loves documentaries. So she okay. watches all these documentaries and she'll tell me stuff when we're eating. Like, did you know I can't eat? Oh, when you dream, the people in your dream are not random. You've probably run across them in a grocery store or in passing because your 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 mind can't make up new faces. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I had no idea. Like, so I find myself like, let me Google. She is she tricking me. Like, but she knows so many things. She's like, Mom, I think you could homeschool me. What do you think? I think she's brought it up like three times now. Uh-oh. But I think that when COVID nineteen right dies down and she has an option to go back yeah. and be around people who know how to who know how to TikTok better than mom does, I think that <laughs> I think that she will be over me. Um <laughs> But it is it is nice. I love that. Yeah, that I love she's that. Like I enjoy being with you all, and that's a great thing that I feel like you know your daughters. But I feel like even before this, you were you knew your daughter. But mm-hmm. I love that you that you know her DNA, her distinct natural ability. You know, you know your daughter, and if this gives us nothing else, this COVID nineteen. I pray that it gives us the opportunity to know our children, to learn our children better, um, because I just think we'll be better off if we do. I love that you, you said she loves her teachers. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring in a point, um, really quick story about. So I was raised um, in a home where I was daddy's girl. Uh, I know I was my daddy's favorite. I was the middle child, like I told you before. But I'm telling you, no. Ch- did, OK, shout out to the parents. Don't let your children know that they are their favorite. Okay. (laughs) A child should never know that, but I knew that. Right. So I was daddy's favorite. Three days before my 12th birthday, I get home from school and daddy is gone. No note, no conversation, no message. They split up. They separated. No goodbye. So as a 12 year old, I didn't think daddy left mommy. I thought daddy left me. And so grew up with a lot of daddy issues, like really, like, you know, still like I had to go to therapy, still working on some daddy issues. Right. But there was a teacher, Miss Niels, when I was 12 years old and she watched my grades go from straight A's to straight C's when that happened. And my mom was too inundated. God bless her soul with, you know, working three jobs, having to go back to school, you know, getting on welfare the whole nine, you know, because she did, she was a stay at home mom when dad was around. But because she was inundated with all of that, you know, I kind of lost, you know, I don't want to say she lost sight of me, but, you know, she was just busy. So I don't want to blame her for that. But it was the 12 year old teacher, Mrs. Niels, that looked at me one day and she said. You have a brightness on you and I'm not going to let that light dim. So what I'm going to do is stay after school every single day and we're just going to talk. For one year, Patrice, that lady, I know she didn't get paid from 2.30 to 3.30 every single day. She just, how you doing today? Tell me what's going on. Oh, every time, God bless her. So she died a couple of years ago. But every time I talk about her, teachers don't know how important they are to to their students. Yeah. And so when I see a bad teacher, like my son's fifth grade teacher, who held up a picture in, 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 of him, like he drew a picture and he held it up. And then she held up another child's and said to the class, what picture is the prettiest? 
And everybody pointed to the other picture, not my son's picture. And he came home and I told you every single night, I would say there's greatness in you. There's great. Even when he had bad day, there's greatness in you. And this one night I said, there's greatness in you. And he said, my teacher doesn't think so. And I said, why would you say that? And that's when I heard the story of the two pictures being held up. And so, of course, you know, like, I don't know, I'm not old school mom. I do have a lot of my mom in me where, okay, she was fired because the next day I was there before she got there. I was like, you're about to, you're about to leave because you're not going to do this to, to our children. Yeah. No child, not just mine. Yeah. But the importance of teachers is just so important. So yes, parents, it's not just that they lost the prom or the, or the, or the friends. It's the teachers. It's the relationships. It's the bonding. And imagine those children where the respite was going to school because yes. their homes were not great. Imagine wh- where they are right now. Those are the ones I pray for at night. Yeah, right? I do too. I do too. I have another young lady um, who's in my coaching community, Tracy Burden out of Ben Harbor, Michigan. And we had a conversation about this um, as an educator, how many of the teachers in her school district are weeping, praying because they know that the only relief some of their students get are to come to school. And it wasn't just for the meal. It was for the love, for the attention, for the affection, for the affirmation. It was coming from the teachers and they knew those kids were dealing with a lot at home. And that's, uh, that's, that's a whole nother story. That's uh, it's crazy. So what can we do for our teens? Um, What I tell parents is put the five fingerprints on them. And if you, if you really try to not just be about lip service, but actually do the actions of putting the five fingerprints on the children, Um, they'll be better off at the end of this COVID-19. The first fingerprint is letting letting them know that they are accepted. Regardless of what the world says, they're accepted. That they are valued and valuable. And their value does not come from what the world says in social media, Instagram, and Facebook. It comes from the man who, the, the spirit of God that created them. So they need to know who they are and whose they are. To let them know that they're capable is the third fingerprint. Because I'm telling you, I thought I was the president's daughter. My last, my mother's maiden name is Washington. My father would look at me every day before from, from I don't know, the time I went to school till 12. You are a Washington. Before I went out, like this a is, wait a minute. This is you my husband's story. Repeat it to me. You are the best. I don't care who's in front of me. You are, uh, you are great. You are wonderful. I mean, my Lord, I knew the I am's. Before I am's came out. Yes. That must be a Washington thing. I my husband is like that with Reagan. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I find myself saying, You are Washington. You know, we don't do that. I'm like, oh Lord, I done married into a whole (laughs) No, but it works, girl, because when I went to Oxford and when I went to Wesleyan and all these schools where the children didn't look like me, I was not afraid to stand in my space. I knew who I was. So all of that rah-rah daddy stuff worked. (laughs) The fourth fingerprint is that we are forgiven, you know, and if we learn to do that really early with our children, that'll be good that we're forgiven and that we forgive them. Grace for everybody and mercy for everybody, God forbid. And then the final fingerprint is that they are loved. And love, you know, we always say it, it's not saying, I love you, I love you. There's five love languages, okay? And your child might not connect with the I love you, I love you. They might connect with the hug. 
the physical touch. They might connect with something else, right? And so I say with every child, no matter from zero all the way up to the time we die, love is spelled T-I-M-E. And we have the opportunity now to give a whole lot of it. Ah, I love that. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. That is good. Oh my goodness. Okay, Deborah. before I let you go, I have some rapid wisdom questions to ask you. So just tell us the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) How do you define success? Failure. Mm. Lessons learned. Lessons learned. I love it. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I can honestly say that is a first. (laughs) Jesus, Jesus. He holds the whole world in his hands. If you got Jesus, you got everything, babe. (laughs) Come on. Come on with it. Okay. Uh, What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Well, the Bible, the really, I know that people probably like it. She a preacher. The Bible, the Bible. I mean, all the examples, everything that we need in our lives are in the Bible. And that's how I see it because Jesus, I mean, carpenter, son of a carpenter had nothing but the wealthiest man ever, right? Died for us. Come on. What more can we, and if we just seek his wisdom, if we seek the one who created us, we can have everything. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All the, thing, all the all things, things you want, all the things are going to be added to you. Yeah. He supplies all of our needs, Patrice. And when we really know that and live by that, th- that is wealth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Okay. Fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Deborah. And the truth about wealth is it comes from the inside. Yep. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Dad. Very welcome, my love. I'm so glad. So glad we got to do this. I really know it's going to be a blessing. I, I definitely think if we think of parenting, well, when we think of parenting, when we think of love, yes, being spelled T-I-M-E, it is going to really hopefully reframe how we see this time for a lot of folks who may be struggling and look at it as a blessing to spend time with our children that we just don't ordinarily get to have. Right. And that we don't even know how much time we have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. let's do our best now to make awesome. and make a difference. Thank you so much. All right. Did you get some good nuggets? Who's about to go tell their kids there's greatness in you instead of what you've been saying? (laughs) Don't judge the rest of us. You know you're in it too. Who's going to start changing some things up, saying some affirmations to our children just to remind them? I know it's a really difficult time in all seriousness. It's a difficult time for many of us. Like Herdeen talked about last week, a lot of us are just grieving the loss of normalcy, but we have to do the best that we possibly can. And I think seeing my daughter 24-7 is just that reminder too. Like I said in the episode, she is not a mini-me. I'm watching her grow before my eyes and really just trying to 
learn as much as I can about her in this season, in this stage. Um, (laughs) My mom said to me the other day, you guys were definitely not the same. Like you were not like her at 12 years old at all. And that's not a good thing or a bad thing. It just is. And it's a great reminder to me that she's a person. She she deserves respect. She is entitled to her feelings. Um, And, you know, we got to find ways to coexist in this space when we are together all the time. So anyway, I hope if you're a parent, you got some great takeaways. Pass this on to parents that you know, and, you know, hopefully it'll be a blessing to them. And it is Mother's Day weekend coming up here in the U.S. So let me give everyone an early happy Mother's Day uh, in the U.S. Man, you you earned it this year. <laughs> if you never earned it before, you earned it this year, girl. Keep doing your thing um, to the biological mothers, to stepmothers, to grandmothers, to the aunts who act like mothers, to anyone who was in that mothering role. I appreciate you. I salute you. And even if they can't tell you, you know, without the attitude right now that they love you too, they do. They'll be back around. No worries. Um, And to those who are parenting the babies among us, God bless you. Because I know it is so hard to do with work and all the other things that are just going on. So remember to still do something for you this weekend. Self-care is real. Take care of you. They are better off, the better off you are mentally and physically. It's hard to do without you. So make sure you take care of yourself and preserve your own peace. If you want to hit me up in social media and share what your takeaways were, I would love to hear from you. I'm at Seek Wisdom PCW. Seek Wisdom PCW. Of course, all of Dr. Deb's information is in the show notes. So make sure you go and check her out. Tell her you heard her on the Redefining Wealth podcast. And until next week, guys, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.